<laughs> Did you do three, two, one? Yeah, it started. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Clown Fiesta podcast. A billion upsets this past weekend, so I couldn't even keep track of what team was beating which team. Lots of stuff to get into. Anything that you want to get into before we get into our mid-split awards, JNT? No, let's let's just get into it. You didn't give us an intro this time. What's up with that? I feel okay. I'm Blue Jay, and that's JNT250. In case you don't know who we are, anyways. Some actually, one know. quick thing I do. One quick thing I do want to get into actually before mid-split awards that I almost forgot was the G2 acquisition. Um, for those that don't know, G2 basically just resigned all of their players today was it today yeah this morning and so even though we don't touch too much on the lec on this podcast it's definitely worth noting that uh na is going to have to play this team for at least the next little while because they signed basically all All all-stars so that's something that is uh of note any thoughts on that yeah i think it's good that they're like fully committing to this roster and i think with this like signing they're like showing that one they're not super discouraged with getting smashed in the finals at last worlds and then hopefully like moving forward into either this worlds or years after like they want to stick with this roster because i do think they believe that they can be world champions with this roster and i think yeah they're probably just like obviously they want to do well at this coming worlds but if they don't you know they're sticking to their guns and they're gonna keep the same players and they keep the same roster moving forward yeah, can you remind me how long they resigned through? I thought it was just through, 2022, right? Through 2022, so. That's what I thought. Yeah, okay. So, expect to see them at Worlds for the next couple of years. One thing that's kind of interesting to me is that, like, they're definitely not at their peak right now. And regardless, the team is obviously still willing to commit to them, which I think is still the right move. But, yeah, despite the fact that they're not playing at their best right now, the organization has no fear in resigning them. But... Anyways, let's get into the mid-split award. So lots of stuff to get into as far as MVP, most improved player, best role player, lots of stuff to cover. Let's start off with the mid-split MVP. Who do you got for mid-split MVP? Yeah, a little bit of deja vu here, but uh, I'm going with Blabber again. Um, it's been, I think, pretty apparent, and we've mentioned it many times before. Like, this guy's the most dominant player currently in the LCS, and as we touched on in one of our topics last week that, you know, He's on track to be maybe being considered the greatest of all time if he can continue his dominance and win this split, win more MVPs. And yeah, I think he's the MVP. Yeah, and I'm also going to go with Blabber. There's no surprises here. I think everyone was expecting that. But the biggest thing for me is that you've got the best team in the league and he is their win condition. So like, I don't know how you can't give him the MVP. They're, the other people that I would maybe consider are probably the rest of the Cloud9 members. And maybe Santorin before this past weekend. This past weekend wasn't his best showing, but I think that uh, a shout-out to Santorin is worthy as well. But, I mean, it's an obvious blabber blabber for me. Yeah, you know, there's not much to say. He, he's he's shown to be the best player in the league, and he definitely should be the MVP. Yeah, and next up on our list, we had the most improved player. Who do you got for the most improved player this split? For me, it's... Maybe a little bit surprising, but uh, I went with Aframu, actually. I think he's been improving. Like, obviously, he was known when he first came onto the scene. He was a pretty, you know, one of the most popular players at the time, being on CLG and being, like, the rush hour bot lane with double lift Aframu. And then, sort of, we've seen his second phase of his career when he's moved to 100 Thieves and now with Dignitas. And, you know, we've noticed a pretty steady decline ever since he joined 100 Thieves after their first split in the LCS. 
but you know he's actually been performing really really well with this split with Johnson and I think he's definitely deserving of most improved player they're constantly you know there was a post on Reddit saying how Johnson's actually got the highest uh, goal differential for ADs even though Dignitas is in last place in the split and I think part of that is Johnson himself but you know Aframu really being there to you know uplift him and you know he's been he's been performing well yeah, you can't ever just credit when you're talking about CSDs at 15. Like those are a lot of that comes from laning stats, if not all of it. And so if you're gonna credit the AD carry there, you gotta credit the support too. So I'm totally with you. I also went with Aframu, but it wasn't as obvious for me. It was between him and Kumo, and then I also would like to give an honorable mention to Lorlo, who has stepped up pretty good. I think Kumo's been good, but I don't think he's been nearly as reliable as Afro. And I think that Afro's Thresh has just been absolutely on a tear. So for me, it was definitely an Afro move choice. But um, yeah, like I said, Kumo looks good or looks a lot better, let's say. I mean, even good is fair as, as well. And same with Lorlo. Two players that I didn't think would ever be on my most improved list, uh, considering their past and considering they haven't really shown much in, in quite some time. Yeah, and even with the Dignitas record being only 2-8, and eight, but, you know, I think there's been some, like, really glaring holes with this team, and the other players around that have actually been performing pretty well, I think, have been performing a lot, like, better than their expectations coming into the split, and, off and after their slow start. Yeah, for sure. Next up on the list, we have the best role player. Um, this one I had a little bit of trouble with because I didn't know exactly how to define what a role player was, seeing as most times a role player is something that isn't really carrying, but just does their job. And, and the, the issue that I was having here is that I was looking at some of the 80 carries. And while 80 carries, their job is to be a carry, not so much to be a role player. Yet I still couldn't help but think that Johnson was kind of a role player, although I did still put him aside because I think he is just an absolute carry. And the other one that I had in mind were Lorlo and Apollo. Um, ultimately, I went with Apollo. I think that um, despite the fact that he is an AD carry, he has definitely just filled his role as being the utility AD carry, been playing uh, a fair bit of Ash, and not to mention his Ash arrows have been on point. And so many fights that Immortals has been looking for, he, they end up getting because of Apollo. And so despite him being a carry, I had to go with Apollo. His Ash arrows are just too good. What do you think? Yeah, for me, I went with uh, Santorin from FlyQuest. You know, even as you just mentioned earlier, you know, he had a bit of a shaky week this week. But in terms of his champion pool and the kind, the style of jungle that he plays for FlyQuest, it's super supportive. He plays a lot of Trundle, plays a lot of tanks. You know, normally is doing some some form of utility and engage. And you know, he's really what I think gels this whole team together in terms of their solo laners with solo and power of evil, and you know, trying to keep their bot lane. You know somewhat consistent even though they've been using multiple AD carries a split yeah I, I couldn't agree more he's actually been fantastic and, and he does fit that perfect description of what a role player is and we see FlyQuest have the carry performances through poe um, however i don't think that's as easy to have happen if it's not for santorin being an absolute boss in the jungle so uh, props to him on that one Next up, we have the Rookie of the Year. That's, and I just need to emphasize year because most of these awards are based off of mid-split awards. However, when it comes to rookies, there's not enough rookies to have a Rookie of the Split. It would just automatically be tactical because I think he's the only real rookie um, that would even be in talks. Maybe he's the only real rookie. Maybe you can 
help me out here on if the there's some other rookies the that I can't think of. The only one that I can think of it would be Insanity. Right, right. And, and I mean, even he's still... only been he's only played four games or yeah. six six games now at this point. Yeah. So with that being said, we decided to go for a rookie of the year award. Um, to me, it was between Johnson and Tactical, but. Uh, for those that have listened to our show before, I am a huge fan of Johnson, as are much of our friends, honestly. We're all pretty big on Johnson, and he, he's been absolutely insane. Like you were mentioning before, his CSD at 15 is leading the league despite being on one of the worst teams. He, he's been great. So uh, it's Johnson over tactical. For what are your thoughts? Yeah, I went with Johnson as well for Rookie of the Year, you know. As you mentioned, there haven't even been too many rookies coming into the scene, you know, even this split or this year or even in the past couple of years. We've sort of seen the rookie of the split, you know, ever since like season nine has sort of been on a bit of a decline due to the lack of rookies coming into North America on a consistent basis. And we even saw like just to, to reference the LEC a little bit back in season eight, they actually decided to not have a rookie of the split in their summer split and decided to do a rookie of the year because when Whippo originally came into Fnatic, they thought, considering how well he performed, he thought they were, they thought that he was deserving of the rookie of the year award. But, you know, you know, the rookie of the uh, the rookie of the split kind of seems like it could potentially get phased out for like a rookie of the year award if you know NA talent doesn't seem to increase. It definitely seems to be going in that direction, and I think that's what the LCS is ultimately going to do. Although maybe if the LCS uh, organizations start playing more of their rookies, maybe we will actually start to see a change in that because some of these rookies are really popping off, man. Like we're talking about Johnson and Tactical right now. These are some of the top 80 carries this split, and they're they're both rookies this year. So um, I don't know. May, maybe maybe LCS organizations need to start trying out some of their talent a little bit more. I know we've touched on that quite a fair bit, but uh, I don't think it gets any less true as the split goes on. Um, next up on the list, we had the coach of the split. Uh, any thoughts on coach on the split, JNT? Um, yeah, I, I, for for myself, I went with Jat actually from uh, Team Liquid. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's actually really impressed me in that, you know, Team Liquid, obviously, it was a huge failure last year in terms of their overall record and their overall place in the league. As if you remember, they went 7-11 and uh, last split and finished ninth. didn't even make playoffs. You know, kind of unheard of for the the four-time LCS champions from Team Liquid and how dominant they were over Season 8 and Season 9 to kind of just all of a sudden not make playoffs. You know, Jat, I think, has really done a good job in terms of coming into this roster. And, you know, although their wins may not be super clean, like, you know, they're sitting at second place with an 8-2 record. And although some of the wins aren't clean, other ones have been pretty clean. And I think he's done actually a pretty good job in terms of their drafting and, you know, making their team come together. I know they said one of their major problems was not being on the same page. And I don't know if you've been watching the the squad series, which is like the TSM Legends that Team, team Liquid yep. does. It's called Squad. And, you know, one thing they really talk about is how their communication and, you know, getting on the same page is like greatly improving. And that's why they think that they're, you know, becoming a lot better. Yeah, I, I really, I actually want to talk a little bit about the, about the squad as well. Not anything specific, but more so just about how they do really emphasize Jat in these squad episodes. And I, I don't think you would see that from too many other teams where they put that much emphasis on the coaching staff. And from, I mean, I also want to say this too. Whenever there's a coaching of the split or coaching of the year award that needs to be given out, 
very rarely is it easy for people on the outside to get a real true opinion of how these coaches do. So we are, we're stuck with very limited information and, and usually it just comes down to the draft, right? Like that's really what you're looking at a lot of times is draft. However, with the squad, that's where you actually get to see a little bit of the behind the scenes of what the coach can bring. Um, with that said, I was so back and forth on this one between Jet and Reaper. I did go with Reaper though. Just because I don't think C9 has really lost any drafts this split, minus the one this past weekend against 100 Thieves, but we'll, I'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, I think C9 is always set up to do exactly what they want to do, and the only time they really lost draft, in my opinion, was because uh, the team, along with Reaper, decided that it's time we try something a little different and go in a little bit of a different direction to see what we've got, and so um, I, I ultimately went with Reaper. Yeah, and then the next two awards, you know, we kind of just made these up ourselves, not really mirroring what the LCS awards are. But for this one, we decided to do most disappointing player and then as well as most disappointing team. So, you know, just to give some context, these are kind of a player and team, you know, players that we thought were going to be very good. And we had, you know, positive expectations going into the split and they've obviously underperformed. So for myself, for most disappointing player, I went with Froggen. <laughs> time to bring out the flame yeah I, I actually i also went with frog and i was so torn between a few different players actually it's time to flame man i could have put i could have put frogging on there i could put ryoma on there i could have put ruin on there even deus even though he's only played one weekend he did not look good this weekend mind you he's been getting camped but um a disappointing goes to Froggen for me just because I expect more out of Froggen than I would those other players that I just mentioned. I do actually think that had Froggen kept playing, he would have probably bounced back. However, when you're on a really short season, 18 games isn't really enough time sometimes to bounce back. So I definitely do understand why Dignitas made the move to to bench Froggen and to put in Phoenix. But regardless... Froggen hasn't been looking good. He should look better. He's been around for a long time. So I, I had to share that one with you as far as the most disappointing player. It's Froggen. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've kind of been accustomed to Froggen being like, you know, somewhat of a rock in terms of these teams that he joins. Like, even though he's obviously a great player and people recognize that he's a great player, he sometimes is usually on like a, a, a worse team. He's been on Echo Fox for quite a long time and now coming over Dignitas, who hasn't been that great of a team. But, you know, Froggen is constantly still able to perform and, you know, puts up great individual stats. But this split in particular, he did not look very good, got subbed out for Phoenix. Um, he was had some uh, questionable Oriana gameplay. But uh, just uh, like you were mentioning, some honorable mentions that you were thinking about putting. Uh, one, 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 one player that I honestly was going to pick for this award had not have had not they have had like a really pop off performance this week was Someday. Because Someday he's kind of he's lauded as this like super carry player who like a hundred thieves just doesn't really seem to utilize, you know, they're constantly putting him on like the Aatroxes and the Orns and the sets, you know, but you know, this weekend he actually had two really good carry performances, uh, one game on Jace and another game on Camille. And I thought he played really, really well actually. And, you know, it's what I like to see out of a hundred thieves is when they're, you know, putting resources to someday and allowing him to really pop off. But, you know, he had a really good week this week and that's why I didn't pick him for this award. So I had to still go with Froggen. Yeah, no, I could totally see by where you're coming from by mentioning him, though, because and even though I don't think it's all on him, like it's still he is the most disappointing player. But that's also a part uh, partially because of his team. 
um, depending on how they do draft, which is, this goes back into the conversation. We don't know what goes on behind uh, closed doors, but I know that I don't want to see him on Aatrox anymore. And regardless of whether that's his choice or the team's choice, that's disappointing to me. So definitely a good honorable mention. Who did you put for your disappointing team? I went with Dignitas, you know, kind of mirroring a bit of the Froggen situation, mainly because I think, you know, the expectations of this roster were, you know, I think most people had them around anywhere between 6th to 8th place, you know. They had Viper coming in, who was still, I think, perceived as a decent player, even though he got uh, he got the boot from FlyQuest because they wanted to start solo instead. But, you know, I think coming into the split, Dig was definitely not looked at as to be this bottom-tier team. They had Johnson, which I think everybody knows Johnson is good, and obviously everyone knows that we like Johnson. Um, Froggen, like we said, he's kind of been this rock on, you know, subpar teams in the LCS for the past couple of years. And, you know, Acadian, I think he's still a solid player, but, you know, the combination of this whole roster obviously didn't work due to their... You know, and it was evident with their 0-4 start before they started making multiple roster changes. You know, they brought in Lorelo to replace Viper. They brought in uh, Dardock to replace uh, Acadian. And then they brought in Phoenix to replace Froggen. So, you know, Dignitas, a little bit disappointing. They're still they're still tied at the bottom of the standings right now. Although they are looking a little bit better, especially with the 2-0 weekend. But I think overall they've been a bit of a disappointment, which is why I had to give them this award. Yeah, I, I think I would have gone with Dignitas with that award for sure had they not made any changes to their roster and had they not started to look better recently. I did ultimately go with IMT, and I know that sounds very hypocritical for the reasons I just mentioned, the fact that they switched up their roster and they're looking better now. But I, I still don't think that this team should have been this bad, and I'm so disappointed, even though that the, the coaching staff isn't necessarily there anymore. They, they fired their head coach and their GM. I think that that is still terribly disappointing that Xmithy started this split in Academy. And same with Apollo Hakuho. Like, I, although I was more okay with that because you were putting in Alltech and Gate and we weren't sure exactly how they're going to perform, I still think the organization as a whole was incredibly disappointing considering that this was even an issue. And that um, you also had um, Soaz before the split started saying how, like, this is going to be a shit split. And I... He, he kind of covered it up by saying, like, yeah, it's going to be shitty because we're playing from home and Corona and stuff like that. But to me, like, I, I don't know. I didn't buy it. To me, he seemed very unmotivated before the split even started. And so I was already disappointed before the split started because of things like that. So with so as even though um, I'm looking forward to see how this team does as the split goes on, they still get the, the most disappointing team for me. Um, last on the list is the most surprising player and team who do you got for most surprising player who do you got for most surprising team so for player uh, i went with Spica. um i've actually been really really impressed with his performances i know he, had, he obviously had a bit of a rough start with the Kane game which kind of became you know a pretty big meme but i think he's actually had some really good carry performances his leeson has been pretty good he's actually played he played a game of kindred which he looked really good on and uh, most recently, he's been stuck on a bit of volleyball duty. But I actually think he's been performing really well. And, you know, I wasn't really expecting TSM to sort of give him this much, I guess, power and agency. I was thinking they would go more back to the old style of TSM and, you know, playing around Doublelift and Bjergsen and even playing around Broken Blade. But, you know, they really seem to be getting speak at these strong early jungle picks to which they like to do early top lane dives and then bot lane dives at level six. And I think he's actually had a really good performance. He hasn't been stuck on Jarvan Sejuani duty. And uh, he's been he's been having a really big game impact, so I think he's just definitely deserving of this. 
Um, I so I definitely still uh, agree with you. However, I wasn't as surprised when it came to Spica. I did think that he would be good, you know, maybe average, and he still definitely has surprised me as op- overperforming that expectation. I still had to go with most surprising player to me was Lorlo. I was not ready for this guy to look good, uh, considering he's been in academy for so long. He looked quite bad the last time we saw him in LCS, which was a while ago. But also, he was coming onto a team that was in last place and didn't have any wins. So I was really, really surprised with the performance that Lorlo has put on this split. And I do have some stats that also surprised me even more. Looking at his KDA, he has a 4.8 KDA behind only Licorice and Someday, which to me is absolutely amazing considering, again, he's on such a bad team. Also... Uh, I looked at his CSD at 15, minus 9, um, nothing great, but I do want to mention he's playing Orn in four of his six games. When you're being put on Orn, you're not expected to have the, a, a good CSD, so a minus 9 CSD is exactly where I would kind of think you should fall if you're playing uh, just tanks like that and you're, you're expected to lose lane. Um, however, he was also second in the league in XP differential at 15, so even though He's losing a little bit of farm. He's still keeping around in lane, and he's just playing smart, and he's not feeding uh, when he's on tank duty. And he was only behind Licorice. So really good stats out of him. Very surprising, and so I had to give most surprising player to him. I'm really looking forward to see what he does for the rest of the split. Yeah, definitely. And just to give an honorable mention, which I also thought was uh, pretty good, kind of similar to my most improved player, was also Aphromu. You know, I spoke about it earlier, but Aphromoo's been having a really good performance, working really well with Johnson this split. So I considered giving it to Afro, but ultimately I went with Spica. <laughs> I'm just laughing. I'm getting a little distracted by Juragami. <laughs> Let's go, Juru. Um, anyways, <laughs> what did you have for most, supl- uh, most surprising team? Who did you have uh, for that one? Yeah, I know. I, I honestly, this one was actually the most difficult one for me because I think, you know, there hasn't been teams that have been super like overperforming, but uh, the one I eventually did go with was Golden Guardians. And my reasoning for that is I think their record is, you know, doesn't really paint the full story with this team. And I think how good they are, you know, they're sitting at a four and six record tied in, I think, seventh place right now. But I actually think this team is much better than their record shows. They've obviously dropped some games early in the season to some bad teams, which was a little bit surprising uh, in, in a bad way, not in really a good way that they were dropping games to bad teams. But, you know, these this team actually plays the top level teams really, really well. They had two games against te- their two games against Team Liquid so far. The split have actually been really, really close games, which Golden Guardians has actually been ahead and winning in these games. You know, ultimately Team Liquid pulling out the, the win in the later parts of the game. And, and they also played C9 very well. Uh, they beat FlyQuest. You know, they are dropping some games to bad teams, which, you know, is a bit of a problem with consistency. But I, I think this team is actually a lot better than their record shows at 4-6. and six. So I went with Golden Guardians for this one. Yeah, I definitely think that they can still be a good team too. However, I remember thinking that they would be a good team. So I can't really say I'm surprised. Also, I think, uh, I don't think we preface this. I... I, I took this award as being in a positive light, most surprising in a positive way. I think that's how this was meant to be interpreted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we. I forgot to mention that, so I apologize. So I see IMT and CLG in the chat. Definitely surprising for bad reasons. Totally agree there. Um, but however, for surprising in a good manner, this one's going to sound weird, actually, but I actually have TSM. Um, and the reason why, so I, I think my initial power rankings, I think I had them fourth. 
which is very near where they're sitting now. The, the reason why I am surprised with them is that I actually don't think they're very far off from being that top two team like the LCS broadcast was talking about today. I think that for some reason, Doublelift is just hard trolling and getting picked in, in opportunities where he shouldn't be getting picked off. And I, I don't think that's going to continue to happen. And so I actually do think that if they just start stop trolling bot lane, I actually think that this team will um, catch up to TL as far as skill level goes. Maybe not in record because they're two games behind, but I am surprised that this team is a little bit better um, than I was expecting. So I, I ultimately had to go with TSM on that one. I didn't really have any other uh, team that I wanted to go to for most surprising in a good in a good way. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think TSM has been surprising in terms of, you know, they've actually have been performing pretty well. Obviously, they dropped um, both their games this weekend, one playing C9 and the other one playing Immortals. And I think in that Immortals game, you know, as you said, they were getting caught out bot. They got caught out bot two times. And I think they were playing a little bit disrespectful. And, you know, it was credit to Immortals, I think, in that game for really, like, putting the pedal to the metal in terms of taking it to TSM. But, you know, I do agree that I think TSM has actually been performing overall just a little bit better than I expected. Yeah, definitely. Anything else uh, in our awards, any honorable mentions or anything of that nature before we move on to our main topic of the week of our power ranking? No, I think that's it. Okay, let's get right into it. Our power rankings, uh, we decided that we were going to revisit our initial power rankings from the start of the year and make a little bit of a comparison. Yeah, um, so I just I just pulled them up right now, but as you can see, these were our pre-split power rankings that we did so these were actually on the first episode that we ever did um, the main topic we did was power ranking all the teams before the season started obviously you know we both we had you know pretty similar power rankings and i think you know at least in terms of the uh top of the power rankings they're pretty similar to what we're seeing in the standings but definitely a lot of uh definitely a lot of differences in the bottom half yeah i'm just so for people not uh not watching i just want to put out the power rankings for just our listeners. JNT had C9 first, he had TL second, FlyQuest, TSM, EG, 100 Thieves 6, Golden Guardian 7, then Dignitas, Immortals, and CLG last there. And then myself, very similar, I had C9 first, TL second, then FlyQuest, TSM, EG5, Golden Guardian 6, Dignitas 7, 100 Thieves 8, Immortals, and CLG last is definitely where we had um we definitely both had clg last we weren't too too high on this team and now this team sits with five wins i wonder if maybe that influences our mid split power rankings um do you have those to pull those up or are we going to yep. wait for those nope they're up there right now okay so the mid split power rankings are actually very similar um for me anyways i didn't realize they would be so similar which maybe that's a good thing you know um guess we should just start off with cloud nine being at the top i don't think this is any surprise what are your thoughts on c9 yeah i mean obviously you know kind of i guess a little bit of the talk of this past lcs weekend was uh cloud nine losing their first game to 100 thieves but uh in terms of power rankings they're obviously still number one they're the clear favorite i don't think that's you know this loss has changed anyone's perception of the team and how good they are you know, you know, you gotta you gotta credit Hundred Thieves. Honestly, they had a they had a really good game against C9. They were fighting back in the early game. They were being very proactive with their plays. They weren't just you know taking the back seat in the game. And you know, 
we've seen uh, with uh, other teams and their success, their early game success against C9, is you have to take it to them, you have to fight them, you have to be willing to scrap with them in order to get an early game lead, because if you don't, C9 is just going to take control of the map. But, you know, uh, even though this team dropped a game, they're, they're, the, they're the clear favorite, and I expect that going into the second half of the split. Yeah, and I don't really have any differing opinion, honestly. I'm not worried about them losing the game to 100 Thieves. Like you said, you want to give credit to the team uh, that won the game. However, to me, this was very obvious that C9 was looking to try out some things. I, I mentioned this when, when we were watching the games. They did not draft the way that they normally would. Um, I think that normally they would take the Wukong and the Olaf if they really wanted to win that game, if it was a must-win. I don't think they take the uh, the Senna Wukong that early. I think they probably take the Wukong as a flex. And then the other thing that they did was they took the Jace over the Galio which I thought that was a very obvious uh, Galio pick once they had already picked up the Jarvan. Um, and they didn't decide to do that either, uh, giving over the Galio to their opponents. So definitely not the draft that we, that we would come to expect. However, I, I think it's very encouraging that they're trying some new stuff. I think that's exactly what you should try to do when you're this far ahead of the other teams in the league. Um, I do like to see that they are really putting more effort into playing the Senna Wukong. Um, I think that it's nice to, to to see that over here in in North America, and so that's something that I'm excited to see going forward. Yeah, I think you know both of their games this weekend. C9 played the Senna Wukong, and I, they they adopted a really similar a similar strategy to which the Mad Lions did. You know, Mad Lions uh, over in the LAC were kind of I guess the inventor of this Senna Wukong bottom lane strategy, but you know they did it. C9 used it in the same manner that uh the Mad Lions were doing it, where they left Varus open. You know, Varus is still, you know, even though he just got nerfed on 10-13, which is the current patch that uh, the leagues are playing on, he's still a very strong champion and a very prevalent champion. But C9 actually leaving the Varus open and using, you know, forcing the other team to pick it up and, you know, taking the Wukong Senna as a counter. So I was actually really impressed with C9's drafting, specifically in the TSM game, the way that they did it, where they gave up uh, Varus to TSM and then they put the Senna Wukong bottom and, you know, Obviously, they fell behind a little bit early just due to the nature of the lane. But, you know, once team fight started, you know, it was pretty obvious how much value the Senna and the Wukong had over the Poke Varus. Yeah, and uh, I, I, like I said, I, I'm just really happy to see them experimenting. I do want to cosh, to be a, them to be a little bit cautious about how much they're experimenting because uh, TL is right on their heels. And... As I do want to mention that top two teams get a buy in the first round of playoffs, but I do think that C9 definitely wants the advantage of being the first team. I do believe there is an advantage as to being able to pick who you play against. I, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Um, however, I think it would be really disappointing for this team to not finish first in the split, considering just how far ahead they are of every other team, in my opinion. Um, I do think that TL is not too far behind and, and TSM as well. Um, but it, it would be weird to see this team not finish first, and they only have one game uh, advantage now over Team Liquid. Yeah, I guess, you know, definitely valid that, you know, they can't experiment too much because, as you said, TL is right on their tails. C9 being 9-1, TL being 8-2. However, C9 does have the head-to-head -head record over TL as of right now, 1-0. But I think just, you know, stylistically, the way the C9 and TL match up, like, it's kind of the complete opposite, you know, honestly. Like, C9 is a very early game-focused team, and TL is a very, you know, mid-to-late game-focused team. TL likes to pick a lot of scaling in their mid-lane champions and their AD carries. You know, they pick a lot of Aphelios, they pick a lot of Azir. Uh, you know, these champions with large, you know, like, 
two and a half, three item power spikes. And, you know, I think C9 is kind of a matchup nightmare for Team Liquid. So even though these teams are close in standing, I still think the gap is still pretty big between C9 and the rest of the teams. Yep. And uh, next up on the list, we have Team Liquid, the two of us. Uh, what are your thoughts on TL? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned a little bit earlier and that their wins may not all be super clean, super decisive, but, you know, this team is sitting with an 8-2 and two record, and they have actually been looking really, really well. I think, you know, Tactical's kind of slotted in pretty well into this bot lane role. You know, people had some questions um, with Team Liquid, you know, if Tactical was going to be up to par with the rest of the team in terms of individual skills and if they were going to be able to fix their communication problems. And they seem to have, and, you know, they are looking pretty good. They've obviously had some shaky games. The ones, the one against IMT from uh, a week ago, and uh, they played Dignitas was the other game. That it was another another really close game a week ago. But mm -hmm. uh, TL still looking very good. They have good players individually in all their roles. Impact has been stepping up, looking a lot better than last split. And, you know... They got a two-game gap on the rest of the team, so moving into the second half of the split, I think it's looking pretty good for TL in terms of securing that second-place spot. I think the main point of concern for them is if they can stay consistently good and not drop any games to these, you know, lower teams. They were, you know, they were very close to losing games against Immortals, Dignitas. They had two really close games against Golden Guardians, and you know, this team needs to continue winning. I think if they want to hold the second-place spot, because I, you know, TSM is sort of known to be this. Uh, you know, they kind of scale into the later part of the season. So we'll have to see. But yeah. I think team, TL's looking pretty good right now. It's at number two. Yeah, and to your point about uh, remaining consistent, the, the wins have been coming in consistently, but it's the manner and the wins, that, the way that they get them hasn't been too consistent. But I do think this past weekend really changed my opinion of this team. Um, they've said in many of their interviews with Broxa and Jensen uh, that they're trying to play more aggressive and trying to lower their game time. Now, they've definitely started to play more aggressive. I don't know about lowering their game time. I think, I think their games were still pretty long this weekend, but definitely shorter than they were last week, the 45-minute games they had last week. Um, but I do like the aggression, and that's what makes me feel really good about this team. Their drafts are a lot better. Uh, they, they fit their style a lot more. Um, I, don't, I think I may have mentioned this last week on the podcast, but uh, I, I'm not too happy seeing Jensen play Azir or TF every game. I think you need to be able to play something more, and, uh, or some, some other things a little bit more. And I do think that putting him on the LeBlanc uh, kind of bring back some of those old C9 Jensen vibes where he's playing a lot more aggressive and he's going for picks. And I thought he looked great on it. And I'm also really happy that uh, TL's putting Impact back on tank. Like, it's been said for so many years now that Impact is a great tank player, but they kept picking Mordekaiser at the start of the split, and while I, d I don't hate Mordekaiser, I just think Impact is so much better on your Orns. Like, it, I'm sorry, like, you don't want to be an Orn pony, but he's a good Orn, <laughs> and so I'm happy to see him on that pick, and I really like the Shen pick as well. Something I think teams should bring out a lot more often. Now, he absolutely styled with Shen on, against Deus. Um, I don't think that he'll be doing that in many of his other games. I think he was like 7-0 and or something on the Shen pick. But um, I, don't, I don't think you'll see that in many more games, but you will maybe see the Shen, and I still think it will be a pick that is great for them. It allows Jensen to be more aggressive, for one. Also, another pick that I liked out of Impact was the Kennen pick. Now, I actually did not like the Kennen pick in the game that they picked it, 
I think it's a much better in a wombo style. So if you got the cannon with the Galio wombo, I really like that combo. Um, so although I don't want to see a lot more cannon, I would prefer to see it if they go for for something like the Galio. Um, but I don't expect to see too much of it with how much Azir TF we're seeing out of Jensen, and now maybe seeing a little bit more aggressive champions. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about as far as their draft is I've really loved uh, the ability to put um, Core JJ on just anything, man. Uh, specifically, I want to highlight the game against uh, Golden Guardians where they, there was a fight in River and they only got one pick, but then the Bard ultimate is what sealed two more two more kills and ultimately that just sealed the game. So I think a lot of credit needs to go to Core JJ. Him playing these Bards, these Threshes or, or Blitzcrank, He's looked really good this split, and so I'm really happy with how this team is starting to draft. Um, definitely really excited for what this team is going to do in the next few uh, few weeks, and I think they're going to start to look a lot more like an eight and two team. Yeah, just mentioning Corey JJ, I think he's. I don't. I don't want to say he's underrated because I think everybody knows how good he is, but I don't think people know how good he is. Like this guy is really really good. I think for me personally, I'd have him in top three players in LCS. I think. He's just right under uh, Blabber and Niski in terms of just importance and impact and, you know, what they bring to their teams. You know, as you said, Core JJ can literally play anything. He plays he plays the tanks and, like, Braum. He plays, you know, the rangy supports and, like, Bard and Senna. Uh, he plays, you know, the Engage. Like, if he's playing, you know, Blitzcrank or Thresh, you know, this guy can really play anything. And he's usually, you know, I, we were obviously were credit, uh, we were obviously crediting tactical earlier but i think core jj really has brought out tactical and allowed a tactical to be performing so well but uh i i think core jj is one of the best players in lcs for sure and one of these reasons why team liquid i think is is looking as good as they are yeah and to me i think this is one of the things that you are basically highlighting as well is that he's the most important player on that team he does bring the most to tl and i think that tl is a disaster without him because I don't know what support you could replace him with that would bring what he brings to that team. Um, anything else on TL before we move on to the next team? No. Okay, let's move on to the next one. We'll go. We'll follow your list, which is what we did last time. So the next team on your list is TSM. You got in the third spot. I had them at the fourth spot. Give me your thoughts on TSM. I got I got quite a bit, so I'll let you go first. Yeah, I, I got TSM as third. You know, honestly, had it not been for that Immortals game, uh, they just played this past weekend. I was considering putting them second, but, you know, they obviously look really poor in the Immortals game, and especially their draft was really, really poor. So I bumped them down to three, but even though having a, a lesser record than TL, I was considering putting them at two. But uh, TSM is like a super, super interesting team, honestly. They have all the players. They have They have the players to be a good team, but I think their drafts are what's really, really holding them back. Um, they had two... Pretty, I would, I would, I would honestly say, pretty two garbage drafts this week. You know, the draft against C9, I think it was a little bit more of C9 outdrafting them, but you know, their drafts are, they're just not good, honestly. You know, Broken Blade busted out the Wukong in the Immortals game and was looking pretty useless in it. They picked Wukong into the Orn, which is super interesting because Wukong does not beat Orn, and like the only, the only time Wukong ever beats Orn is up until level nine and after that you just get hard outscaled by orn who just like builds these ornaments and just stacks hp and unless you're bl building blade of the rune king on your wukong which is not that great of an item for wukong if they're going for this sort of a team fighting comp 
But so I do want to say something here, though. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I do want to say, like, you're not picking the Wukong to win the lane. You're picking it because it's a great team fight presence later on. You can see, see the whole team knocking everybody up multiple times, even. So while, yeah, I don't think he's going to beat the Orin in lane. That that to me isn't the reason they're picking it. And I actually, um, I, I actually really liked their draft, uh, against Immortals. But I'll talk about that in a second, in a little bit. Sorry to cut you off there. I just wanted to mention that. I don't think you're picking the Wukong to win the lane. Yeah, but I mean, just in terms of like, they were obviously going for a little more of a team fighting comp in the Immortals game, but they kind of picked themselves into like three losing lanes. Um, we saw they they put Doublelift on Aphelios again, and it kind of just, you know, it's been multiple times now uh, teams have imp implemented the strategy against TSM, which is, you know, getting early bot ganks off, whether it's blowing Doublelift Splash or getting him killed early and taking the first two Drakes. And then from that, like, you know, pressuring the rest of the map and forcing TSM to make plays to be able to get back into the game and get into these drakes. You know, we saw in the CLG game, they went down three drakes really early and were honestly pretty lucky to come back and win that game due to CLG's kind of mismanagement of the map state and the game overall. And same thing in this Immortals game, you know, Immortals got at Soul. I think the Dragons were, they were either four to one or four to two in the game. But, you know, losing the game, honestly, through bot pressure and, you know, not playing the map properly and you know just kind of lackluster performances individually but this team it's it, they're really interesting they have they have the players and they have the skills to be a top team in this league but currently it's just not all you know coming together at this current moment and i think that's why they're not they're not a their record's not showing that yeah they're not a one or a two and, and i couldn't agree more like like you're saying they've got the players but these players that are so good are doing such uncharacteristic things like Doublelift getting caught out, uh, caught out so many times or, or like um, Broken Blade going in on the Wukong in that Immortals fight. Like it just, the, the communication didn't seem on there, which is like so not what you would come to expect of these players on this team. Um, I do think that they continue to play the early game fairly well for the most part, not so much uh, this past weekend, but for the most part, I thought that their early games have been pretty good. Um, outside of, of course, the Kane game since the start of the split. But, I mean, that's pretty long ago. I don't think it's fair to hang that over their head forever. And I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of Bjergsen. And a lot of people have been talking about, is Bjergsen back? You know, that's the talk. Is Bjergsen yeah. back? I don't think he's back, okay? And the reason why I don't say he's back is because when he was what he was, he was smashing everyone. And he was a very obvious MVP. So to say that he's back is just not fair like that no is he playing good yes he's been he's been playing great even last week he got the mvp he got his solo kill little little jab on Niski this past weekend so i'm i'm really liking the uh, the diversity that bjergsen brings to his team he'll play a leblanc he'll play a zillion he'll play whatever you need him to and uh the last thing that i wanted to talk about actually i got a couple more things that i want to talk about with uh tsm but one of them is i think they kind of showed their hand a little bit with the draft of the the zillion and the Aphelios tom kench like to me that like is such a strong late game weapon to just let double lift go ham in a team fight and they kind of wasted it on a game where they were uncharacteristically being caught out and engaging at wrong times like i think this was a draft that can work out very well to your point they could have maybe had uh, a better top lane is so that they don't lose all of their lanes. They could have had something better than the Wukong if uh, if the idea is to make it to the late game. Um, but I still I still think Wukong is so strong right now that I'm okay with that pick despite him not winning lane. Um, but yeah, like 
we've seen them play Zillion before, um, but we haven't seen them play it too much recently. And so this goes to, sh I think this kind of showed like, yeah, this is something they're still um, definitely apt to play and they decided to whip it out and they lost. And so uh, I, I was really disappointed that something we saw Double if pop off so hard in the one team fight with Aphelios. And of course, he's got his Tom Kench there to save him. He's got his Zillion there to save him. So I thought that the draft was very good for him to do his 200 years thing. However, they were still so far behind by the time that he got to do that, that they weren't able to, to stand up to the engage of, of Immortals. The last thing that I wanted to mention was Biofrost and how he hasn't really been doing too much this split. Even Doublelift as a whole, basically just the TSM bot lane has been a little disappointing to me considering what they should be. Like like I said, Doublelift, you know that you can rely on him in a team fight, but he's still getting caught out or in random times, like the, that time where he got caught out against 100 Thieves and that game shouldn't have been close. Or when he just got caught out in the last game, him and Bio are pushed up in lane for I don't really know exactly what reason. Just some uncharacteristic things, but Biofrost really looked bad on the bar this past weekend. Um, there was one p fight in particular of a friend of ours was just screaming for Bard to use his ultimate, and I couldn't agree more. He was not using his ultimate. Doublelift is running away, trying to live, and it would have been nice to have a little Bard ult come his way, but I don't know. Bar uh, uh, Bio just wasn't paying attention. I don't know what's going on there. His... his uh, his bard doesn't seem to be that great, although he's been playing a bunch of different stuff. Um, I I think I would like him to thin out his champion pool a little bit more until he sees a few better performances. But uh, yeah, def I'm definitely thinking that the, the weakest part of this team is the bot lane, which is not what I was expecting to say coming into the split. Yeah, you know, just kind of... I definitely agree with what you said, and little just to kind of connect that back to what I was saying is, you know... They have the individual players to win, but it's, you know, it's just really not all coming together right now in terms of, you know, their performances against even these weak teams. Like, we, we still see many mistakes from them like just against bad teams. And, you know, it, these this, these aren't things that you can be doing if you want to be considered a top team. You need to clean up your games against these uh, worst teams, and you need to be beating these worst teams convincingly. And I think that's what we're sort of seeing out of C9 and a little bit of, out of TL to some extent. Yeah. Um, anything else on TSM before we move on? No, I think that's it. Okay, so next up on the list is uh, FlyQuest. I had FlyQuest 3, you had FlyQuest 4. Definitely, uh, I, I actually thought that you would have FlyQuest a little bit lower with how poorly they performed this past weekend. Um, I knew you're, you're probably not surprised that I still have them up in the 3 spot, but FlyQuest, I think we need to say FlyQuest lost two games this weekend that they should have won. And so that is one of the reasons why I'm more concerned with this team, definitely before I was going into the weekend. I would have had FlyQuest number two on my power rankings had they won their games, which they should have won this weekend. But uh, a couple hiccups, and now they're sitting at five and five, this team that I thought was looking so good, not looking so good this past weekend. So what are your thoughts on FlyQuest? Yeah, I mean, I think they're, I think they're two and four in their last three weeks. I'm pretty sure they're two and four, but uh, yeah, if FlyQuest honestly dropping the ball a little bit, you know they had a relatively easy schedule this week. Playing, uh, they played Immortals and Hunter Thieves, if I have that right. But uh, you know, drop drop both games. Honestly, didn't look very good. You know, I, I still do have faith in this team. I think this team performed really, 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 really well at the start of the split, and they showed how strong of a team they are with you know Santorin. 
uh, on Trundle Duty or playing some sort of tank engaged jungler and Power of Evil playing a carry mid laner and Ignar popping off on his Rakan. But just recently, you know, this team hasn't been performing very well. They've been dropping games to bad teams. So just like you, I definitely do consider FlyQuest a strong team. I'm, I don't... Their current form right now, I don't think they're a top three team, but I definitely do think that they still have the players and the skills to easily be a top three team. But we just got to kind of see them clean up a little bit of their inconsistencies. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I think FlyQuest got exposed for a little bit this past weekend is what if they're not winning the early game? You know, a, a lot of their wins have been actually really clean. They win the early game and they, they scale it out pretty well, uh, minus the one game against Team Liquid where MASH kind of threw around Baron. For the most part, this team's actually had very clean wins. And so it's really surprising that a team that's had clean wins has such a, you know, shaky performance over the weekend against just bad teams, honestly. Um, I, I do want to give some credit to the winners. Uh, however, they got cheesed, okay? And, and the game against 100 Thieves, you could say, oh, well, they got cheesed and that's not going to happen. But no, it can happen in future games. Getting cheese is part of the game. And... When Nidalee, when Contracts did that on Nidalee and he cheesed Power of Evil to start off the game with the level 2 gank, that really, really put PoE behind, and he's definitely been their, their, their hard carry. So putting him behind was definitely the key to getting them ahead, um, despite the fact that uh, 100 Thieves ended up kind of throwing that lead a little bit later in the game. Uh, still think that um, FlyQuest can and will look good, though. I do have a lot of confidence in Santorin, like you said, in PoE, uh, and, and Ignar, and, and then, of course, Top. I think Solo's just been an absolute rock. Probably should have mentioned him earlier when we were talking about honorable mentions for role players, um, because that's just exactly what he's done. He's been on set so many different games, but, like, his set has been good, so there's, there's nothing wrong with him playing the same stuff. I actually think that FlyQuest is going to show uh, definitely a little bit of a resurgence next week. They they do play against TSM. I'm not sure who their other game is, but I think that it'll be really interesting to see what they do against TSM, and I, I want to see what happens there before I get a better idea of where I can put this team. But for now, uh, I got them in the three spot. Yeah, I think, you know, just, you know, we kind of have uh, an inverse three and four. You have TSM four, I have FlyQuest uh I have FlyQuest 4 and you have FlyQuest 3, but I think these two teams, you know, they've dropped they've dropped the ball a little bit in these past couple weeks. But I definitely these are two teams that I think are can vie for the second spot and will be good competition going forward. I don't think TL is, you know, they do obviously have a two game lead on the rest of the pack in terms of everybody below them, but you know, I, I wouldn't count out TSM and FlyQuest for making a push for that second uh buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, anything else on FlyQuest before we move on to, I guess it would be Golden Guardians in your case? Yeah, you know, I got Golden Guardians at five. Uh, you know, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I think this team is a lot better than the record shows. I think they're actually, they have some of the best drafts in the league um, in terms of, you know, drafting around closer, similar to how C9 drafts around Blabber and, you know, they do a lot of 1-3-1 with Demonte. We've seen Demonte on the TF, and we saw a game of Echo from Demonte earlier in the season. But I really like what I'm seeing from this team in terms of draft. Obviously, at the start of the season, they were pretty inconsistent and you know not performing very well. They started off with a 1-3 record. But uh, now, just recently, coming in 3-3 three and three in their last six games, I think has actually been pretty good. And like I mentioned earlier, they had two strong losing efforts to Team Liquid. And I have a lot of faith in this team going forward in terms of improving their play and continuing to see really good drafts out of them. And I think 
they have the skills and the players to, you know, beat the worst teams and contest against some of the better teams. And so I, I actually want to ask you this then. If you have them in that five spot there, middle of the pack for sure, is this the split where they finally go above 500 and they finish 10, or, 10 and 8 or 11 and 7? I think so. I, I think if we see if we continue to see Golden Guardians improving like they are, and they're not, as I said, inconsistent and dropping games to the to the bad teams in the league. I think they will finish above 500. And you know, we we've said it before. You know, this is a team that hasn't finished over 500 in their entire LCS history. You know, coming into franchising at the start of season eight, they have not yet finished with a record above nine and nine. And I think this is definitely a split where they can do it. So for me, this is the split where they should do it. However, with some of their poor performances earlier on in the split, I don't know if they've dug themselves too much of a hole to get there. Um, probably not. I think they're sitting at four and six, right? Yeah, they are. So that would mean that they have to have a pretty good second half. They have to go six and three in the second half uh, of the split if they want to get up there to uh, um, to get that 10th win. Um I don't know if they can get six wins over their next, actually it would be over their next eight games. So that's the reason why I don't think they will, but I definitely think they have this skill level to be there. Um, some of the things that I've really liked with this team, you talked about their drafts. I like that their their drafts are unique and like they are, they're pulling out picks that are not necessarily like OP counters or anything like that, but they're unique as to like, they fit what they want to do. And so I've really liked DeMonte playing the Lissandra twice into the LeBlanc. I don't think that, um, that used to be a great matchup as we were talking about before, but playing it into the wall and lane is not that fun. And so I really do want to, um, uh, you know, give a little bit of praise for DeMonte for playing that because it's definitely been something that's worked out as the game goes on. It's been a really good pick for that. So sacrificing his laning phase a little bit so that he can be a lot better and more useful to his team later. And I also really liked Hanser on Kale. Picking the Kale into the Orn, I thought was great. He was ahead of the Orn, and he was scaling great. Everything was going well. I, this is where the team struggles a little bit for me is just their shot calling. I think it was a third dragon that they were contesting when they had Kale level 14. And I'm going, man, you just got to wait till Kale's 16. That's all you have to do. Give up the third drag. Who cares? They, they would have gone down 3-2 in drags. Not that big of a deal. By the next time the drag spawns, I think there's a good chance that Kale is level 16. And I think that there's a good chance that Kale can also pop off in that team fight unfortunately they went for the fight the got a little messy and then next thing you know you got core jj alton uh the, using that bartle to pick off a couple more guys and the game was just over tl went to baron they got baron and that to me was so sad because i thought that golden guardians had this five head draft in their head something else i wouldn't expect any other team to to bring out and then well of course they they, they lost that game as as you well know um one other thing that I really like about this team that's encouraging right now is Closer. He's starting to look a lot better. We had a lot of hype for him coming into the split, and he wasn't performing too well. There was He was performing okay, I would say. Nothing bad, nothing great, but he was definitely talked about as being the second-best jungler last split, and we definitely saw the second-best jungler this past weekend uh, on his Lee Sin. His Lee Sin absolutely popped off. Uh, shout out to Freak who was just going nuts over his over his uh, over his Lee Sin. He looked really good, and I, that's exactly what Golden Guardians needs to see if they want to be that ten and eight team. Yeah, I I don't I don't have much to say more about them. 
Okay, so let's move on to the next one then. We got Evil Geniuses. I had them five. You had them six. Uh, I I don't know where to start with EG. There is I don't, a I lot don't, of stuff. I don't, I don't, I'll I re- let you go ahead. I, I really don't know what to think about this team. It, it kind of just seems like they have to win. They have to get the perfect, not necessarily the perfect draft, but they just have to get a good draft to win the game. It seems like every time they either have like a, a, uh, some sort of a different draft or a losing draft, they just seem to always lose the game. And, you know, I think their their team is really Jazuke Central. You know, we've seen in the C9 game where he was playing casted into the Karma and got set set uh, super far behind. Another game later, the next week, where he played Kogma and he got his flash blown level one, and the game was kind of over from there because Jizuke just continued to fall far behind. It just seems like whenever this team has a poor draft or Jizuke falls behind, they just cannot win games. But... On the flip side to that, whenever they do have a good matchup for Jizuke or they do have a good draft where, you know, Sven Skarin has a lot of agency in the early game, this team actually performs really well. But it, this team is honestly a little bit of a coin flip for me. <laughs> this team is definitely a coin flip for me, man. Live and die by Jizuke. It is unbelievable to me that this team is so focused on playing around Jizuke. Don't get me wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with playing around Jizuke. But it, it blows my mind that they're so focused on only playing around Jizuke when you have a world champion in the bot lane. Give Bang a little bit of love. Let's play around this guy, you know? And I, I did think that they started to show signs of playing around a different role in the last game against CLG. They picked the Riven, which was, by the way, hella hype. I was so happy to see Riven. And they camped the lane. Everything's going great. And then they got a little bit too forceful on that top lane. I remember Sven Skarin going top at level 5. Um, Kuma was also level 5 and they were ganking a level 6 GP. As soon as Sven Skarin realized that the gank wasn't going to work, he left and Kumo hit level 6. So I'm thinking if you're Kumo, you got to say, hey man, go do Gromp. I, I watched the replay. He could have he invaded no problem, done Gromp and gotten out uh, with a blast cone. If, if there was any reason to panic, he could have gotten out no problem. And all he had to do was just wait for Kumo to do one more wave. They could have dove. I don't think they would have had any issue diving there with um, uh, with the GP in the, in the top lane. I don't think he would have had any issue. He would have died. And that game goes a lot better. And then later on, they get the Rift Herald. And there's three plates mid. So they're, they're thinking we can maybe drop this Herald mid and get Jazuke the plates and get first turret in the mid lane before plates fall, which is not incredibly common. I think that it would have been a lot more valuable to drop that Herald bot. They were in the bot lane where they had now a lane swap. So both top laners were in the bot lane. This to me was five free plates that you could have given to that Riven that you so badly wanted to snowball in the early game. And if you wanted to, you could have used the second Herald to close out the mid lane turret later on. Because I think that if um, if there was a fight for second uh, Rift Herald later... That's exactly what EG would have wanted, being that they were so far ahead anyways. And you would have just snowballed your Riven even more. I, I, They were too focused on getting the plates for Jazuke. I wish this team, they were so close to playing around a different lane, and then they just took a turn and went in a different direction. So I was a little bit disappointed. Um, I The last thing I want to say about this team is, I think their performance in this game against CLG may have been the worst performance of the split including the perfect game. And I I hesitate to give them that, but 
because of how good like the early game was, they just camped top and Riven snowballing and so on. I have never seen in a pro game so many players get picked off at once or not at once in the same game. There was at least six times where people were just roaming around randomly getting picked off. I thought I was watching a solo queue game. I couldn't believe how bad of a throw that game was. You see Baron throws all the time, you know? Oh, the team went for Baron, they got wiped at Baron, and then the other team got steals it and they win the game. This was like six or seven different instances of someone getting picked off randomly. I couldn't believe it. It was so bad, I wanted to yak. Yeah, honestly, the CLG game was just a super sloppy game. Like you were mentioning, there were just like a bunch of random picks that were just happening like randomly. Like we're watching the game and like, I think there was like three deaths where like either Jazuke or Kumo was like running into enemy base to try to get executed by towers or try to run away. But such a super sloppy game. I think they had like a 5k <laughs> gold lead, ended up losing that game just due to getting just picked off randomly all around the map and losing a lot of tempo. But one thing that you were mentioning earlier and, you know, sort of trying to play around other lanes that aren't Jazuke, one thing I want to touch on was Bang. And I, I was mentioning this a little bit earlier in terms of their drafting and how it kind of feels like they kind of live or die by draft and in terms of if they can get Jazuke a good pick. But one thing I don't, really don't like about their drafts is Bang is pretty much only an Aphelios Ezreal 2 trick, you know. We're seeing actually a lot of other AD carries pop up. You know, we're seeing a little bit more Varus getting let through the drafts due to his recent nerfs. We're seeing actually a lot of Ash now. Ash is kind of, you know, becoming actually a really strong champion. Yep. And, you know, we're seeing some sparse like Kai'Sa and MF picks. But, you know, Bang has exclusively played Aphelios and Ezreal. And, you know, it's really hard, you know, to to say, oh, let's play around Bang when we're giving him these scaling champions. You know, Ezreal, Aphelios is a champion that spikes super hard off like two plus items or, you know, honestly, even three items. Um, Ezreal's a champion that really only spikes, you know, two to three items, but they're really giving no like agency into their bot lane, especially out of Zazel. We're seeing a lot of like Braum and we saw a bunch of Lulu and Yumi earlier on, but, you know, Bang and Zazel are kind of just being put on an island in bottom, honestly, and just saying, here, we're going to pick you. We're going to pick you these late game scaling champions. You just do your thing, farm the lane, and let's hope that we get to the late game at an even state. And, you know, in these games, you know, they're either winning hard or they're losing hard. So I'd like to see a little bit, you know, more variety in their drafts, especially towards the bottom lane, because I think they're doing all these things in their draft around mid lane, around Jazuke. And I think Bang is kind of being, you know, honestly hung out to dry. And I'd, I'd really like to see more integration uh, with Bang and some some good draft picks. Yeah, definitely. Like, this, this is a team that can perform like a top team or a bottom team. Definitely a coin flip. So I'm not... Uh, definitely a coin flip team. So I'm not surprised to see both of us putting them in the middle of the pack. One one last thing that you, you made me think of uh, when you mentioned Zazel on the Braum. I actually thought that his Braum was really good this weekend. Um, I, I actually think that might be, in my opinion, his best champion. If I remember... Thinking back to when he played on C9, his Braum was always pretty damn good. So um, I, I don't necessarily mind the Braum specifically because it's Zazel's Braum, and I think that it is definitely one of his best champions. But I don't really got anything else on EG. Do you have anything else before we move on to the next team? No, that's it. Next up on your list, we got 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves is... Uh... A little bit difficult to pinpoint as a team. Give me, give me your thoughts on 100 Thieves. Yeah, honestly, you know, uh, this whole 7 to 10 was actually really hard for me to yes, you know, it judge was. and put, you know, where the teams were. You can obviously see from what we have right here is, you know, this was kind of the biggest disparity in 
uh, like in terms of like where the picks are, you know, our top six was somewhat similar. And in the case where we had it different, it was just a one-off. But I found it really, really hard to rank these bottom teams. And mainly because, you know, these are all teams that have made various roster moves. You know, for some of these teams, I've kind of split up the first half of their, their season into sort of two separate seasons, I guess, if you mm-hmm. could call that. You know, we had Immortals running their, they did a complete changeup of the entirety of their roster after week two. So, you know, while, yes, they're sitting at two and eight and I have them at nine in their power rankings, you know, they've been looking really good. So it was really hard for me to put them in a good place. But I mean, just to get back to 100 Thieves, same same sort of scenario. We had Medios and Stunt starting off in the start of the season. And then after week three, we saw Contracts and Poom come in. So, you know, all these teams making roster moves and kind of makes it really difficult to judge where these teams are, because in some of these teams cases, you know, we're only getting a first look at these new players, but I went with the 100 Thieves at 7, mainly just because of their 2-0 weekend this weekend. Um, I think they actually played really, really well this weekend. Um, they took it to C9, like I was saying, and they really uh, pushed the pace in that game, which I really liked. And then uh, they they beat FlyQuest, you know, as you mentioned, a little bit of cheese and a little bit, you know, it was actually a close game at one point, but they were able to pull it out and Again, mentioning earlier, I was really, really liking the play from Sunday. I thought their drafting was a lot better this week in terms of, you know, drafting and playing around, you know, their strongest player on their team, putting Sunday on the Jace and the Camille. I really like their drafting. However, going forward, I still really don't know whether or not this team can actually be a playoff team or even be a contender in any sorts because we haven't really seen them be super consistent. You know, when Contracts and Poom first came in, you know, they didn't really look too, too good. Contracts kind of was one of the reasons why they lost their first game when he first came in, and Poom was a little bit irrelevant in terms of his gameplay. But, you know, they had a really good weekend 2-0, and I think I'm a little bit on recency bias for putting them at 7, but uh, I want to hear what you think about this team. Yeah, so for me, I don't want to dive too much into Diggin' Immortals because we will touch on them in a second, but um, the reason why I put Diggin' Immortals ahead of 100 Thieves is I was thinking about all the roster moves that these three teams made, and I thought, which ones am I most comfortable with as far as, like, will I think they perform well? And I think Dignitas is actually the ones that I feel more comfortable in. Despite Phoenix being an absolute mess in his first game, I thought he's looked really good. And so, and then there was Immortals, um, where, well, obviously for Dignitas, actually, still, there was Lorlo that was put in, and he looked really good as well. Um, and same with Dardoch. I actually think Dardoch's looked a lot better, but we'll get to that in a second. And then there was Immortals, and I think Alorum and Insanity have looked good. I've been pretty happy with them. 100 Thieves, I think they've looked good this past weekend. I thought their subs looked good, whereas I didn't feel the same way the weekend before. And so I want to see a little bit more consistency out of 100 Thieves before I put them in a playoff spot. Um, like I mentioned before, I do think that, uh, their draft that they had against C9, they got these power picks that I don't think they would normally get in a regular draft. And so while I think it was great that contracts was popping off on Olaf, I don't think that he normally gets the opportunity to do that, um, in another, in another game. Um, with that being said, still looked pretty good. So, uh, that's the reason why I guess I have them above CLG is because I think they looked, uh, better than, than CLG did in the, in the past, uh, couple of weeks. I'm still not sold, though, that this team is going to make playoffs. I, I don't... I haven't seen much out of Poom. I, I think he's just kind of there. Uh, same same with, actually, cody Sun. I haven't really seen much out of the whole 100 Thieves bot lane. They're just kind of there. And I, I've seen very few carry performances out of Someday, despite him absolutely popping off on the Jace pick. I really liked it. And Ryoma, to me, is the, the biggest factor here. For me, 
Every time 100 Thieves has something going their way, he manages to get caught out. And he almost threw that game against FlyQuest, despite the amazing start that they had, that Contracts gave his team, where he almost still managed to get picked off twice and give uh, and give that lead right over to FlyQuest, dis- despite regaining it later. So... I'm not too huge on Ryoma. I, I don't know what to think about contracts. I still want to mention that he was the MVP this past weekend. He did receive the award, so he definitely had a good performance on the Nidalee and the Olaf. But like I said, I'm still not sold on this team. I still think, to be quite honest, I, I actually think they're still a bad team as far as the, the LCS is concerned, and so I don't have them making playoffs. So that's why I had them in the nine spot. I mean, I think one thing that they do have kind of going for them is at least... You know, their first game of the second round robin of the season was against C9. So they kind of got like, and, you know, they managed to win that game, you know, in most teams' eyes. You know, when you have C9 on your schedule, you're kind of like looking at it like, okay, well, we're going to have a loss there. So for them to yep. actually go out and beat C9 is actually really good for them and for their schedule moving forward. You know, if C9 is going to continue their dominance, you can kind of take all the other teams' record and just add plus one losses, add, add a loss to every team's record. And in 100 Thieves' case, they're actually able to get the win over them. So I think that's, you know, that's really good for them going forward. And one thing that just I think is really, you know, what I why I think that this team will actually perform decent, you know, going to the second round robin is just due to the fact, you know, how like morale and momentum is like so important, especially in a game yep, like League I agree. when you're in a team environment. Like obviously losing sucks and when you're continuously losing and you're losing to bad teams, like it's not going to feel good. Your team might not be as friendly with each other, you know. You may not be communicating on the same level as you would if you were like a winning team. So I think for 100 teams to go out and beat, you know, two, you know, top tier teams in FlyQuest and C9 this weekend is actually going to do a lot for their their confidence in terms of their play, their drafting, the way that they think about like themselves and versus the rest of the competition. So I think this 2-0, you know, it's a good 2-0 obviously to get two wins, but I think the, the most important part of it is, you know, their mindset going forward, knowing that, okay, we can actually compete with some of these top teams. Yeah, and so I definitely agree it's a good 2-0. In fact, it's a great 2-0, um, which actually is the reason why I feel bad putting them 9. Uh, but like I said, with, when it came to like Dignitas, Immortals, and 100 Thieves, they all did those subs. And to me, I still thought that Dignitas and Immortals, I see them doing better in the second half of the split. And there's no way I could put any of those teams above Golden Guardians and EG. So just by default, they just landed in the 9 spot for me. And it's I, I like I said, I feel bad. They beat FlyQuest and C9, and I still have them not making playoffs. It's kind of crazy, but uh, I mean, I guess that's just where it landed for me. I don't uh, have anything else on 100 Thieves, do you? No, that's it. Okay, so next on your list, we have Counter Logic Gaming. Uh, I'll, I'll let you start with this one as well, because uh, yeah, I don't I don't got good things to say about this team. Yeah, honestly, if if they would have lost that game to EG, and I think, you know, if you replay that games and EG actually like has their brains on in the mid game, you know, EG should win that game, and I honestly think I probably would have put CLG in last place um, after losing to EG. But, you know, like I was kind of mentioning before, especially with these bottom four teams, is you can kind of break it up into, you know, I don't want to say discount, but, like, you can kind of discount their first couple of weeks in terms of Immortals, Dignitas, and 100 Thieves because they weren't playing with the current roster that they are right now, and the teams, I think all three teams, look drastically different than what they were at the start of the split. And, you know, the main thing to consider with CLG is they, you know, they stay, they got off to that 3-1 and record right at the start of the split, and they're currently sitting at 5-5. Five and five, But four of their wins, I just want to point it out, 
uh, four of their wins, which were their first four wins, not counting this most recent EG one, was against the pre-roster swapped Immortals, the pre-roster swapped Dignitas, the pre-roster swapped Hunter T, and Golden Guardians, who, as we mentioned before, was a little bit inconsistent at the start of the season. So I think, honestly, if you know CLG goes back and plays these games again against the different, the new look Dignitas, Immortals, and Hunter T, I would honestly think they lose those games, and they're probably sitting with maybe only one or two wins you know, right now in the season, and then then they would be in last place. So I think CLG, you know, they're in a good spot in terms of, like, they kind of got a little bit lucky, in my opinion, in terms of the dysfunction of the other teams and them just being able to pick up these early wins at the start of the split, which is important in a league like NA where we've constantly seen that teams will not perform too well at the start and sort of ramp up. So it's always important to beat those teams at the start of the season. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, like, you feel bad just saying, oh, they got lucky. Like, it's it's not the attitude that you want to have. Yeah. But to me, I'm, I'm just reading the writing on the wall here. They did get lucky. Like, I would, I think any team would love to have those matches played against those rosters rather than the current ones now. And I still haven't seen CLG look good at all this split, which is why I had them 10th. Um, I can't believe this team is 5-5. Five and five. Every... Maybe outside of the the game against Golden Guardians, but even probably that one too. Every single one of their wins is just against such poor performances that I can't give this team the credit that I would another the other teams if they if they were to win. Um, it, it feels bad to just say they're getting lucky, but god damn, I think they're getting lucky. <laughs> I I don't see much coming out of Wiggly. Ruin was a disaster, and so has Deus. Deus has not been much better. Although I will say. Deus is getting camped like he's Dyrus up there right now. He is not at a good time. Um, but small sample size, so I, I want to withhold judgment on that a little bit. Um, I think Poe Belter is the only reason this team has a chance of wins. It's like, you got to pray that Poe Belter can give you a win. Or, or even Stixay actually hasn't been too bad either. Um, but I think the top side of the map is so heavy from this team that it's difficult for them to get any wins. And... Uh, yeah, I just, I don't see too much coming out of Smoothie either. Yeah, you know, like I said earlier, I think if CLG were to replay their early game, the early wins that they got against these new rosters of Immortals, Dignitas, and uh, the other one, uh, IMT, I think they would honestly lose those games. And, you know, you know, I think it sucks to say, but I think they, were, they are a little bit lucky in terms of them being able to sit with a 5-5 five and five record. Yeah, and, and earlier, uh, Genets in chat had mentioned, like, uh, CLG finishing fourth when a lot of people predicted them 10th. Shouldn't that be, like, a good surprise? Um, yes, as far as the standings go, but as far as the way they got those wins, just absolutely not. I have not been impressed by their wins whatsoever. I'm still looking for more from this team to give them that little bit more credit of actually deserving wins. And, God, is that always a conversation of you know do teams deserve the win and blah 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 a lot of people don't like that argument saying they don't deserve it they won well they deserve the win well sure but there there is levels to how much someone deserves a win and if you're going to hold people to the standard of playing good in this league i want that that's going to go the same with with clg and i have not seen them play good and so that's why i had to put them 10 yeah like i watching clgs play this split i don't think i've like sat and watched a full CLG game and then said after the fact, like, I was impressed with CLG. Like, those words have yeah. not come out of my mouth because I have not been impressed by them. They, they, yeah. Their wins are lackluster or either they're getting thrown to win. And again, it sucks to say that, you know, we're kind of discrediting their, their five wins, but, you know, you really, you really got to, like, take a critical look at the game and, like, 
the way that they're playing, uh, just the way that the games play out, they're kind of overall just like lack of understanding of macro. Like, I just want to throw that back to the TSM game. Like, they had, they were up 3-0 on drags, and I think they were up like, uh, maybe like 6k against TSM and lost that game. Like, if they would have won that game against TSM, I think we'd definitely be able to put a little bit of respect on CLG's name in terms of taking a win off of a good team and in somewhat of a clean fashion. But Jesus Christ, they threw that game hard against TSM. Yeah, and, and the last thing that I, I want to say on this topic about teams deserving wins or deserving losses and so on and so forth is that um, this is not something unique to CLG. We've been talking on this podcast all split long about how TL's getting some of their wins that they don't necessarily deserve, or TSM's getting some of their wins that they don't necessarily deserve. So I just want to make it clear that this is not just a let's all dogpile on CLG kind of thing. I think we hold every team in the league to a certain standard of being able to play some good League of Legends. You're pros, after all. And I, yeah, I think it's no different for CLG. And that's, that's all I have to say on CLG's side of things. Okay, so moving, uh, at least if we're going off my list, moving next, uh, I had Immortals at uh, ninth place. You know, at the current standings, they're tied for last place with Dignitas sitting at two and eight. But, you know, I think even, even in some of their most recent losses with their new look roster with uh, Smithy, Apollo Hakuho, Insanity, and Alorum, you know, they've been, they've been looking pretty good. They lost two really close games, uh, one to TL and another one to whatever other team they played during that week which was a really close game, but I've actually really been liking what I've uh, seen from Immortals. You know, I mentioned on the previous episode, I've really been liking their drafts. I've really been liking what they've been doing with Alorum in terms of his picks, you know, picking Malphite. Uh, he pulled out the Urgot last week. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, they had a really rough start with their full academy roster getting put in and then them having to fire their GM and head coach and this new roster coming in with only two, with two months of, uh, practice only against academy teams but i think they've actually been playing pretty well yeah uh the the first thing that stands out about what you were talking about is alorum to me I, I definitely want to talk about him he's been a guy that uh, i did mention him earlier as being like honorable mentions as far as like a uh, role player kind of kind of position and he's done just that he's drawing some bands out on malphite and on ergot there's not a lot of teams that are drawing bands on malphite and ergot so I, I think he's been a really ple pleasant surprise in the top lane. I, I want to give a lot of credit to him. Uh, the other guy that they brought in is Insanity. He has been good up until the, the last game on Corky. I, I didn't think he was bad by any means. I want to I make that clear. But holy shit, was he all over the place with them Corky packages. He, he was making the game a nail biter for sure. What did you think about... What did you think about Insanity in that game? Yeah, he was uh, running it down with the package there. Like, multiple times, he would he would package in and then have to Valkyrie flash out because he realized that he went too deep. And, you know, I got to give him some props because he's looking for these plays. And, you know, Corgi package is, like, a really strong tool for, you know, taking some, like, big long-range engages, but definitely a little bit, you know, overzealous and, you know, kind of playing on a knife's edge there. You know, if he goes down in some of those major team fights, you know, TSM maybe claws their way back into the game. But, yeah, uh, super fun to watch. Super, yeah. I don't want to. I want to say that super fun to watch. Game. It made it made the the games very interesting. Just maybe fun to watch. Or the the fun play isn't always the right play. I, there's sometimes there were some. Dra I remember the one play specifically. They could have gone just right to drag and taken drag. Um, however, he opted for the fight, and they they ended up getting drag anyways. It just it made things a hell of a lot more interesting than they needed to be. 
Uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about is Xmithy. I, I liked his his graves, bringing out the Ignite graves, which is not that's not an Xmithy pick. That is something we have seen in other regions and even even in this region actually. I think we saw it not too long ago. Um, so I thought thought it was pretty good. Um, he definitely got a lot of the resources. I remember him getting some turret plates and stuff like that. So re really good pick from him, and he definitely I remember he was five and zero at one point. So. Uh, pretty good carry performance out of Xmithy, considering he used to be sort of just a Sejuani bot, so to speak. So I was really happy with his gameplay as well. Yeah, I don't got too much more to say on Immortals. I think, you know, like I was saying earlier, especially with these bottom teams, you know, it's it's pretty hard to judge, you know, where their skill level is exactly due to the number of games that they've been playing with these new rosters. You know, most of these top teams have had been playing with the same roster for uh, five weeks now, whereas others have been only just playing with their most recent rosters for either two or three weeks. And with that, these other players coming in, they have been, you know, scrimming in Academy and not scrimming, you know, LCS caliber teams. But I think for, you know, especially with Immortals, they have a lot to look forward to in terms of the future. I think they, they've definitely found two solid players in Alorum and Insanity that I think they can build around, you know, moving forward. And they have Smithy, who's, you know, he's just been a rock his entire LCS career. And, you know, maybe they find more success and they, they roll with the same roster going into 2021. But, you know, I, I like what, I've, what I'm seeing so far for Immortals in terms of looking into the future. Yeah, I'm definitely actually really liking Apollo in the bot lane. I, I, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast last week, so if I did, forgive me. But Apollo didn't have a very large sample size of games last split. He only played five games, but they were all very quality games. And now, ever since coming up from Academy this split, he's also had very quality games. I mentioned earlier that I had him as my, my role player as far as his, his Ash gameplay. And I think if he keeps that up, Immortals is going to be very happy having him and Hakuo in the bot lane. They, they've looked really good. And it's sad to have to put this team in the eighth spot. Um, I, yeah, I had them eight. You had them nine. Um, it, it's really sad to put any of these teams, honestly, in the seven to nine slots, just because they've performed so well as of late. Um, but that, that's all I really have to say on Immortals. Um, yeah, just across the board, looking, looking good. Nothing amazing, but looking good. Yeah, and then for 10th place, I have Dignitas. You know, like I said, I think it, for me, it was really hard to pick, you know, this seven through 10. I think, it, honestly, it can go any way, and I wouldn't have, like, I, I don't think I'd really have a problem with it. But uh, I, I did put Dignitas in the 10th place spot, mainly just because I think with this team, you know, you know, there's there's kind of like the saying is you're only as strong as your weakest part. And it seems that in, Digni in all of Dignitas' games, there's just one person who is always just running it down. Like whether or not it was in the first week or the first couple weeks with Acadian or Froggen performing really, really bad. And then when they had... Uh, their their first uh, substitutions with Lorlo and Dardock. Dardock had you know a pretty poor game, and Phoenix came in, and Phoenix had a really bad game. But it seems with Dignitas, there's always one player that is just performing bad on any given day, and you know we didn't see that from them this week. They actually had a really good week, going 2-0, and like again, that's that's something to look forward to with this Dignitas roster because I think they have a lot of good players, and as long as you know they don't have that one kind of int player every game every so often i think they are a good team but despite you know not excluding this week it seems that almost every game dig was playing there would be somebody that was running it down yeah and so i i don't want to because we we are going on a little bit of time here but i do want to mention how i actually think dardock has looked pretty good um despite the one game his one graves game where he 
Um, him and Phoenix were both running it down that game. I, I, the one thing that I like about Dardock is how he plays with Afro. And so uh, for, for a while now, we've been kind of seeing Afro kind of run it down minus this split because he's always being so aggro. And I find him going for these engages where there's no one following up what he's doing. However, I find that to be different when he's playing with Dardock. They both have that very aggressive mindset where they're just going in, and it seems to work out really well, and I've seen some really nice plays out of Dardock. I also really liked Dardock's game against C9 despite uh, losing that one game. I thought he went in with the right game plan of going for the counter ganks, knowing that Blabber would be very aggressive. So I've actually really liked what I've seen out of Dardock. Uh, I didn't think that I would be saying that, but I thought he's actually looked pretty good minus uh, one or two performances. So I, I am a little bit higher on him than I think most people are. And then just back to Dignitas's bot lane. Johnson and Afro have been looking very good as a duo. Johnson is is top CSD at 15 in the league, despite being on a bad team. We mentioned before how Lorlo's been looking really good, playing that role player role, being on Orn duty. He's second in, or uh, pardon me, third. And, and KDA for, for his role. So I've really been happy with how Lorlo's looking. The only question mark for me is Phoenix, just because of how bad his first TF performance was. I don't think we're going to see that out of him again. I don't think he's that bad of a player. And I do think that he can hold his own in this league. And so when you look at the team as a whole, I actually think they have a decent team. And so that's why I put them seventh ahead of Immortals 100 Thieves and CLG. I, I think this team is is going to surprise some people in the, in the next few weeks to come to close out the rest of the split. And I, I think um, that they're going to have their work cut out for them if they do make playoffs. But uh, I, I think they're going to make playoffs and I think they're going to look a lot better than they have doing so. Yeah, I mean, the the question I really have with Immortals and Dignitas is if they have, you know, dug themselves a bit too big of a hole to climb out of for the second half of the split. You know, I really would have loved if this second round robin that's coming up was, you know, if the season was just reset and then these are all the rosters that everybody's going with. Because I think the season would be way more interesting, especially in the middle of the pack, because I think... Although I have them pretty low in my power rankings in Immortals and Dignitas, these are teams that definitely can compete with the middle-of-the-pack teams. But uh, it's unfortunate that they had such a poor start to the season, and you know maybe that might hinder them, you know, trying to get like decent playoff seedings or even making playoffs. But uh, you know, even though I don't think it's like a, it's hard. I I wouldn't consider there's any really tenth place team or ninth or tenth place team. I think there's actually a lot of you know competition in terms of the bottom part of the standings. Which is really nice to say because coming into the split, it wouldn't have surprised me if we had multiple ten plates. 10th place teams so it, it goes to show i think the league has improved just a little bit and the, they're starting to step it up uh so especially as the second half of the split comes around um yeah. that's going to do it for our power rankings however um anything else before we move on to our awards or part of me bean soup and pop off awards to be specific yeah no just like you were saying it's good to it's good to have these bottom teams actually improving and it makes for you know a lot more exciting games i think you know earlier in the season like a game where Dignitas or Immortals was in it, like it was just considered a sleeper game, free win for the other team. But like now we actually have some exciting games between these bottom tier teams. Yeah, de definitely. Which is really good. We, we want the games to be exciting. We want them to, to mean something as the split goes on. And it looks like we're going to get that. Moving on to the bean soup and pop-off section. We're going to have to pray to the almighty God King's Moo to guide us in our choices of who's going to pop off or who was popping off and who is the bean soup award. Uh, give me, give me your pop-off first. We'll start there. 
pop off. I got someday. Uh, I've been talking a lot about someday uh, this episode in terms of his performance this week specifically. You know, like I said, Hunter T was drafting around him well. They were playing around him well uh, on the Jason, the Camille, and he fucking popped off. So. Yeah, he, he looked really good. He was my other choice. I actually had two choices. I had someday because specifically his Jace was great. And I don't think they win that game without his Jace. However, I actually went with contracts uh, just because even even though I do think some of his games were a little bit cheesy, it was still pop-off performances on both the Nidalee and the Olaf. And so you got to give credit where it's due. So I actually gave it to contracts this week. He looked really good. Got the MVP. I'm happy for him. I don't think, honestly, that he's going to be able to keep this up. But I, I kind of hope he does. Uh, I, I really liked his performance this weekend. So good, good for contracts. And, and I'm happy for him getting the MVP. Yeah, for uh, Bean Soup, though, this week, I actually went with Broken Blade. It was kind of sad. You know, I love Broken Blade. I love his content on YouTube, and I think he's a funny guy. But uh, I had <laughs> yeah. to give him the Bean Soup Award this week. Uh, he had a pretty lackluster performance against both C9 and Immortals. You know, he racked up a lot of deaths in his Wukong game against Immortals. And, you know, I, I can understand that it's you're picking it for the team fight. But, you know, Wukong is a pretty bad matchup into Ornn. And, you know, if you're not doing anything in the early game, your champion falls super far behind. And, you know, you, you just become an alt bot in terms of, like, your most of your champions now, the power is in the ultimate as opposed to, you know, doing a lot of damage. So I gave it to Broken Blade, you know. I didn't want to have to, didn't want to have to give it to him, but he was kind of just bean soup. Yeah, he was kind of bean soup this weekend. And it's not the Broken Blade that we're used to, to seeing, but, I mean, it's, it's the Broken Blade we saw. So, I mean, that's that. I think it's definitely a good choice for the award. Ultimately, though, I had to go with the EG squad on this one for that performance against CLG. Like I said, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but that was the worst performance, or uh, worst throw I have seen. Throws, actually, I have seen uh, in a long time. Holy shit, man, did they manage to throw that game so hard on many different occasions throughout the game. So EG's getting my bean soup award for that game against CLG. That game was... Bean soup. Holy shit. Anyway, um, moving on, we're going to do some predictions for the rest of the split. Nothing too crazy, just just a few. We're going to do who's going to win and what the playoff teams are going to look like and some X factors for the rest of the split. So we'll start off with who's going to win the split, JNT. C9. I mean, yeah, uh, there's still, despite the loss, there's nothing telling me that this team is not going to win the split. Even everyone on the analyst desk of the LCS broadcast still had them as the heavy favorite to win the split. They're still going to look really good. Um, I don't. I'm not too fearful of how this team's going to look, and so I think that they're going to go through playoffs without too many issues. But I mean, only time will tell there. Next up, we had the playoff teams. This is very similar to our our power ranking, so our playoff teams might be a little obvious. Who do you got making the playoffs? Yeah. So just. You know, my my list of playoff teams, you know, if, if you're not just, I guess, to preface this a little bit, but there is a different playoff format than the normal uh, LCS yep. playoff format for the summer split. This is kind of the way they've changed it with getting rid of championship points in terms of like world's qualification. So eight teams actually make playoffs, which is, you know, kind of crazy because, you know, the eighth place team is probably not going to have that good of a record. And, you know... It, it does suck that, you know, the teams, you know, maybe at the bottom half of the league aren't performing too great in terms of their record. So it doesn't necessarily have the best look for, you know, being a playoff team. But, uh, 
you know, nevertheless, there's eight teams making playoffs this split, and uh, similar to my power rankings, they're almost exactly the same. However, I would have Immortals making playoffs as opposed to CLG, even though I had CLG ranked eight and Immortals nine. I do think Immortals actually has, you know, a decent grasp on the game and, a, you know, good performances to where I have confidence that they'll make a push in the second round robin and be able to make playoffs. So it's interesting to me that you you go that route. I actually went with 100 Thieves missing and Immortals missing. And so I guess I have CLG making it. Not because, again, I had them 10th on my power ranking. So it's not because I think CLG's been looking really good. But it's so hard for a team that already has five wins to fall behind teams that are only sitting with two now. Um, and so for that reason, that that's why I actually have CLG making the playoffs. I have them actually in the seventh slot. So... Um, my list goes C9-1, TL2, FlyQuest, TSM, EG, Golden Guardians, then CLG and Dignitas I have making it. Um, mm. It's definitely... So what I was worried about, though, with this playoff format was that the whoever the 8th place team wouldn't be competitive. At least within the last couple of weeks, we're starting to see the 7 through 9 teams look competitive. So it gives me a little bit of hope that whoever that 8th place team is, they, they might actually show up come playoff time. And so maybe the the... Uh, the the playoff series might not not be as free as I would have thought a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I mean it, it's it's hard to say. I mean, like especially with this eight team playoff format, like teams are going to lock in playoffs a lot sooner, and there's definitely going to be like a lot of you know a lot of competition moving into the later parts of the week. You know, sometimes we actually see like playoffs are locked uh, by week number eight, so week nine sometimes can kind of turn into a bit of a meme week with players you know pulling out like funny picks or pulling out like just like substitute players just to get some time on the LCS stage when it used to be the LCS stage. But uh, I definitely think we're going to have a lot of like serious competition, you know, moving into the later weeks of the season, just due to this expanded playoff format and teams really wanting to pick up wins to get a uh, better seeding going into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you there. Anything else before we move on to our last little prediction? I think that's it. So the last one is our players to, to keep an eye on, or X-Factors, if you will. And uh, for myself, I actually had quite a long list of players to look at. Um, I had Johnson and Afro, for sure. I think that their bot lane has been great. I don't need to say any more on them. They, they've looked great. I, I want to keep my eye on them to see if they can continue their performance. Apollo, uh, I've mentioned plenty about him. I, I like that he's a role player, even in the AD carry slot. He's looked really good. I want to keep an eye on C seeing if he can continue to do that. I got my eye on Alorum. I think Alorum's also been another really good role player, picking some things that we're not seeing a lot of other teams uh, picking, like the Malphite, like the Urgot. So I want to see if he's got any more picks that he wants to pick up. And then, boom, because we still don't know a lot about this player, um, I want to see, see a little bit more before I get an idea of how good or bad I think this player is. Is that all the, the players you had? Yep. Okay, uh, for my first one, I had a Broken Blade, actually. You know, I had to give him my Bean Super Award this week because uh, I, didn't, I didn't like his performance at all. But, uh, you know, I definitely want to see more of, like, the, the Season 9 Broken Blade, you know, when he first came onto the LCS split and, you know, he was playing a lot of these carries and performing really well on them. You know, I know the top lane meta is not super, super carry-oriented, but we're at, we are seeing a lot, you know, more diversity in the picks in these last coming weeks, you know, in a lot of week one and week two, we were seeing a ton of Orn, Aatrox, and Set, and now we're seeing some more Jace, you know, someday busted out the Camille, we're seeing a little bit of Renekton, you know, I want to see Broken Blade, you know, put on a little bit of, 
put on these picks with a little more agency. Like that's the main thing I have, my gripe I have with Broken Blade and the way that TSM is using him, is he, he's he's constantly getting put on these champions that are have no agency and just really have little effect on the game. It really requires the team to be playing around. Sorry, for him to be playing with the team, not the team playing around him. But you know, I want I want to see TSM get back to a little bit of the Broken Blade carry performances, and I think, you know. When he's on his carries, he definitely is one of the better top laners in the league. But uh, moving on from that, I have a Mash on FlyQuest. You know, we've seen a little bit of a dip in FlyQuest performance recently, and I think you can attribute that yep. to, you know, a bit of a, a bit, a bit of int moments from Mash. You know, obviously there's one that, game for sure. Yeah, right? that that one game on Ezreal, then also the interesting uh, AD Senna that they did. They didn't actually yeah. do support Senna. They had Mash playing Senna actually farming. Which uh, you know, it was an it was an interesting look. I think the math sort of disproves playing that in like the eighty carry role, and you the Senna actually taking the farm. You know, I think it's pretty obvious that it's actually more worth for the Senna to be not farming. We've seen a lot of fasting Senna in the league, especially with this new grass build coming up. So it was really kind of weird to see Mash go with this tier farming Senna, but uh, I definitely want to see better performances out of him, and you know, FlyQuest to have a little bit of a bounce back and being able to, you know, compete with these uh, top two teams, or sorry, to compete and become a top two team. Uh, after that, I had Hanser on Golden Guardians. We we talked to him, we talked about him a little bit with his Kale pick uh, this week, Kale into the Orn, which we both thought was actually a really good pick. Um, Hanser definitely has been a bit lackluster at the start of the split and even last mm -hmm. split, but he seems to actually yep. be performing a lot better this split. Um, and I want to see more out of him. Definitely think he's, he's a player to watch. Um, I had Someday on 100T. You know, we've been talking a lot about Someday on this episode with his carry performances, and I want to see more out of that from him. And then lastly, I had Xsmithy on Immortals. Just, I want to just see Xsmithy get back to his 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 old self and just being a rock in the jungle and, you know, playing around Insanity and Alorum to, you know, help give Immortals a little boost. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm definitely excited. All those players that you mentioned, I'm excited to see how they do in the in the next half of the split. Um, Xmithy especially because he, he's in such a unique situation here playing with some some younger players or some more inexperienced players at, at the very least so pretty good there um, anything else before we move on to our last topic which is our picks for week six nope I'll pull the picks up right now all right let's pull up those picks and let's make our predictions uh, before we get into them I do want to highlight the FlyQuest versus TSM game I think this should be our our um, match of the week. I think this one's going to be really interesting. Um, I I'm really excited for that one. That's going to be at 6 o'clock on Saturday. So if anybody's looking for a game that should be really close and should be really competitive, I think the FlyQuest versus TSM game on Saturday will be that. Without uh, further ado, let's get right into the, uh, the TSM versus 100 Thieves matchup that we have on Friday night at 9 p.m. EST. Who do you got winning this I got TSM in that one. You know, I'm kind of expecting TSM to rebound a little bit from this last week, and I think they'll they'll come out. They'll look a little bit like their their normal selves. I I want to see you know a little more stability from them, and you know not not disrespecting their opponents. I think especially in that game against Immortals, they were playing a little bit disrespectful and kind of you know getting caught out a little bit, um, especially Doublelift and Bio in the bot lane. So I think TSM is going to clean it up a little bit and play play well yeah so I yeah I, th I think so too so I'm, I'm going with tsm on this one also it, it's sad to say that you know 100 thieves comes off this great weekend where they look pretty good and they beat two good teams and then we just got them losing their next one 
However, if they do win this one, I got to totally rethink my thoughts on 100 Thieves if they take out C9, FlyQuest, and TSM in, in three matches in a row. But yeah, it's for me, it's it's TSM. Yeah, next game uh, on Friday night, we got uh, Team Liquid and EG. Definitely going with TL on this one. They look a lot more consistent, and they just look straight up better than EG right now. So I got TL. Yeah, I feel like this could have been our match of the week had EG not just fallen off a cliff as far as their performance is concerned. I'm going to go with TL on this one. Also, I mentioned before how I'm really liking the way they're starting to draft. I think their their players are starting to play back to their own style. So I'm really excited to see TL in the coming weeks, and I'm, I'm going TL on this one as well. Okay, first game on Saturday, we got CLG versus Dignitas. Um, I got Dignitas on this one. You know, we're definitely hyping up Dignitas and in terms of, you know, it seems that their roster that they have right now is sort of settling into be this roster, the roster that they're going to go with for the rest of the season. Um, definitely like the performances out of Lorlo, Dardoch, uh, Johnson, and Aphromoo, and I think Phoenix is that question mark, but I'm going to go with Dignitas on this one. Yeah, for me, it's a Dignitas pick as well. Um, we're talking about, Dig or I, I've been talking about Dignitas kind of turning around their season, um, and, and I think that's what they did this past weekend. But if you really want to convince people that you've turned around your season, you can't lose to CLG right now, the way CLG's been playing. So to me, it's Dignitas in this game, despite being against what I think to be one of the weaker teams, I think it's a very important game for Dignitas. Okay, next game, we got EG versus C9. Uh, I got C9, I think it's a fairly obvious. I think C9's pissed. I don't think yeah. they're happy losing their perfect uh, their perfect streak there, losing that to 100 Thieves. So I got C9 in this one. They've just looked way better than EG has, and it's, to me it's it's not more complicated than that. So C9 for me. Yeah, and then uh, next game, you know, our sort of match of the week, FlyQuest versus TSM. Definitely a, a tough one. I think this is kind of like a pick em at this point. But uh, I'm going to go with TSM on this one, actually. I think mainly just due to the fact that I think their bot lane is better than FlyQuest bot lane just straight up uh mainly due to doublelift uh versus mash kind of i think FlyQuest has the slight advantage in terms of ignar versus biofrost but i think doublelift has a huge advantage over mash just individually so i'm gonna go with tsm on it yeah i, I definitely do agree with the advantage that doublelift has over mash however i don't think that FlyQuest has been playing to their true potential um, and, and I do think that this weekend was bad, but I, I don't think that it's going to be the regular FlyQuest that you see coming out. Uh, I really like FlyQuest to bounce back this week, and I think they're going to do that against two tough opponents. Uh, so FlyQuest for me. Okay, and then uh, last game on Saturday, we got uh, Golden Guardians versus Immortals. Um, two teams on a little bit of a rise, I would say. You know, They're performing a little bit better. I'm going Golden Guardians on this one simply because I think as I said before, they are a lot better than their record shows, and I'm expecting them to go out and beat Immortals pretty handily. Yeah, so I, I don't know about handily, but I'm still going to go with Golden Guardians on this one as well. This one is actually really tough for me because I can see Immortals creeping out a win with the way they've been playing lately, but maybe in, Insanity is maybe just a little too insane for me, so I'm going Golden Guardians. And then uh, first game Sunday, you know, 100T, you know, drawing a bit of a tough schedule on this one, but they're playing Team Liquid. Um, I'm going to go with Team Liquid on this one. I think it's a little bit obvious, at least, that TL has a pretty big advantage in this uh, game, just matchup-wise. But, uh, yeah, I got TL. Yeah, I, I don't got much more to say than, than what I've already said. I think it's just, for me, it's just TL. I don't really got too much more to add to what I've already yeah, uh, next game after that, uh, we got FlyQuest and C9. FlyQuest also getting a pretty tough schedule, honestly, uh, having to play TSM and C9 one week. Um, like we said earlier, I don't think we're expecting C9 to slow down after that loss of 100T, so I got C9 on this one. 
Yeah, I, I this is one where I could see the upset happening if C9 continues to to experiment in the draft. However, even if they do continue to experiment in the draft, I still give them the edge anyways, and so I'm going C9 on this one. Okay, uh, third game on Sunday, we got Immortals versus CLG. Um, you know, I think I'm going to go with Immortals on this one uh, just based off of, I don't know, honestly, I don't really know what I'm basing it off of. I just think Immortals is better than CLG. Yeah, to to me, it's it's more that I think IMT is on the upswing, and I think CLG's on the downswing. D despite being five and five, this team is is bad in my opinion. I've said that. I, I don't got much more to add than that. I think the better team is Immortals, and I think the better team is going to win that one. So Immortals for me. And then last game of the week, we have Dignitas versus Golden Guardians. I'm going with Golden Guardians on this one for my reasons, as the last Golden Guardians game. Yeah, this one is tough, man. I, I want to say Dignitas is coming around. I, I don't really know what to say about it. I, I actually, I, I do want to go for an upset, and so I think this is going to be it. I'm going to go with Dignitas. I think this should be a really close game. And this is one of those games where it's like teams are more towards the bottom of the standings, but the games are still interesting. So I'm really happy that uh, Dignitas has managed to turn around and Golden Guardians has turned it, managed to turn it around their season as far as their level of play goes, because I think that's really why this game is actually interesting whereas normally or if it were to be two weeks ago i would have said this was far less interesting game but dignitas for me okay and there you have it for our picks for the week we just got a uh, one last thing that we're gonna cover as our last little topic there are some uh bets for uh this for, coming week. for you betting fiends out there yeah so sorry jamie we're gonna lose your webcam here but just pulling up no bets problem right now i don't need to be on more it's been long enough <laughs> so jamie what what what's your what's your bet for this week what do you think's a, a good bet for our viewers oh, out there? man i mentioned like three times this show how i don't want to dogpile on clg but i think both bets against clg are really good picks i think you're getting really good odds especially the team dignitas one i really like how they've been playing lately i really don't like how clg's been playing lately you're getting 2.2 on the dollar i think that's a great bet so that one to me is the best bet and then the second best bet is immortals over clg in my opinion yeah i mean the other interesting one that i think you can consider just straight up for value um you know obviously i wouldn't do this myself because i have faith in golden guardians over dignitas but i mean if you're looking for one with like you know pretty decent value is the other Dignitas game over Golden Guardians are getting what is that 2.45? Pretty good in my opinion. I'm not. I wouldn't personally take it because I think Golden Guardians is going to win that. But uh, you know, if you're playing the numbers here, maybe maybe that's one right there. Yeah, and one more is yeah, Li Liquid over EG is is one that I think is really good too. Not a lot of value there, but I just feel really strongly about Liquid being better than uh, than Evil Geniuses. So for me, I, I, I don't think the, the liquid pick is too bad. You're getting about 67 cents there. I think that's a good one to parlay with another pick. I, I, I wouldn't mind parlaying the liquid with, with one of the, um, with Dignitas, for example, over CLG. I think that's a pretty good parlay, and you'll get a pre pretty decent payout there. Okay, and I think uh, that's all the topics we have for uh, this week on our episode. just want to thank everybody for watching. Uh, appreciate everyone you know sticking around interacting in the chat uh, you know. yeah really really appreciate everyone uh showing up today Lot, lots of interaction in the chat too i really like that um if anybody wants to follow our socials are on the screen there don't be afraid to reach out to us we want to hear from you guys we want to hear where we can get better at at the podcast as well and uh really looking forward to the games this this coming week i think we're going to learn a lot from them as far as where teams are sitting yeah, 
like we said, thanks y'all for watching and uh, we'll see you uh, next Monday. All right. See you, everyone.